0: Hey, Victory Life Church, this is Pastor Zach. I'm so excited to get to do another episode of this Conversations podcast. This is a real joy of mine and just a passion in my heart to sit down and talk with folks about what God has done, is doing, and is continuing to do in their lives. This episode is all going to center around just the amazing testimony of a precious lady that I've had a chance to connect with, Ms. Jamie Miller and her husband, Robert, and uh, they go here to the Durant campus and have been coming for, for quite some time. And it's just been a powerful thing to hear about a testimony that happened a few years ago now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with Robert and his health and just the story of God's uh, power being on display and him getting all the glory once again manifesting through an impossible situation. What's impossible for man is possible with God. And uh, we're just excited to share that with you today. And then second part of this podcast, Pastor Kylie Goldsmith here, our worship pastor, who is also going to be, starting January, our pastor over our uh, family and marriage hub of our life groups. Him and his wife, Amanda, have just an awesome heart for marriage and seeing marriages strengthened in parenting. And he's going to be joining me in the second half of this podcast today, and we're going to do some reflecting on uh, Jamie's testimony and Robert's testimony, and then also just talking about the power of unity in marriage and what that accomplishes in, in our lives. So, man, Jamie, I'm so excited that you took time out of your schedule to be here. Uh, we had a little bit of technology hiccup before we actually started the recording, uh, so we've been waiting for a little bit of time for me to figure out how to use the new equipment, and uh, God's good, and we're going to get this thing on a roll. So, uh, Jamie, we connected just a few weeks ago. Hey Amen. your story just arrested me, uh, your own personal testimony, but how that dovetailed in to one of the most phenomenal miracles that I've heard about in regards to truly God bringing somebody back from essentially death, the death's door, uh, and just the process and progression that that led up to in, in Robert's life and in you guys' marriage. So uh, before we get started on that, uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been coming to the Durant campus Uh, And if you wouldn't mind kind of starting with what was your journey that kind of got you to victory life and even some of your hesitancies with joining because it being so big and all that kind of stuff. And then we'll kind of work through what you've shared with me and just uh, some of your personal story and how that sets you up to just grow and see God's hand move in this in this miracle with your with your husband. So, Miss Jamie, turn it over to you.
1: Thank you, Zach, for having me. Um, I'm a little nervous, so just kind of the jittery voice and all that. Just kind of get over it, and I'll get over it in a minute. But um, <clears throat> the main reason why I came is because I've seen where myself, I where I started and where I am today, and and I've heard many pastors say we're not where we want to be, but at least we've taken off. You yeah, know, we yeah. we've we've left the airport and wheels are up, and and I'm on my way to being a better person. Uh, than I was several years ago, but, um, my story's kind of ugly in the beginning, but you know, God turns ashes into beauty. Yes, um, yes. and he can make things that were once shattered and broken into something that's you know, beautiful. And, um, I have a beautiful marriage. Uh, it didn't start out that way. Um, I met my husband. I was already married to another man. Um, I committed adultery. It was not pretty, and this is not something that I'm proud of. I'll tell you, it's very um, humbling uh, to sit here with you and talk about it. Yeah. Um, it's real, and it happens. Yeah. And I wasn't a bad person. I was saved when I was 14, mm-hmm. and but I didn't. I wasn't walking with God. I was just going to go to heaven. Yeah, yeah. And so. I knew I was going to go to heaven, and I was convicted of my convictions. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> what I wanted was more important than what Jesus wanted, and so for me, and so I did not take the high road, and I, I committed adultery, and I hurt a lot of people in the process, mm-hmm. uh, myself included. But I hurt children, I hurt, I hurt spouses, and yeah. there's many people that were broken because of my bad judgment, but throughout, you know, we, we, we got divorced, Robert and I got married and I never really felt like that God was ever going to bless our marriage because Mm -hmm. of the way it was acquired. You know, it was almost like a a theft, you know, it was never really going to be mine because it was someone else's Mm -hmm. and I had made a vow to another man you know, on my nineteenth birthday, yeah. you know, to to marry him, mm-hmm. and and I intended at that time to do it, but it didn't work out, and mm-hmm. I and I went with my flesh, and I did the fleshly thing, and so I carried this burden for many many years, you know, and even though Robert and I loved each other, and I I, I was committed to him, I asked God to forgive me, mm-hmm. I asked all the people that I had hurt. To forgive me Mm -hmm. and they all said they did and that's on if they didn't I don't know you know I can't that's not on me but I did ask them to forgive me and I um um you know and I avowed I would never do that again I would never you know do my best to never harm another person or hurt their feelings again but it was a struggle for me for many many years and and I moved from Texas to Oklahoma when I when I married Robert, and, um, and so I was up here without a family, without a church family or anything like that, you know, and we started going to a little country church, and I have nothing against little country churches, and it fit for a time. Yeah. But there was a season in our life where God wanted something, and we needed to go somewhere else because... We all know God doesn't make bad things happen, but he knows that they're coming. And so he has a way to prepare us if we'll listen Mm -hmm. to kind of, you know, I, I see what's around the corner and you don't, so you need to mind me. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where he was at. And I, so I told Robert, I said, I, I really need a church family, you know. And Robert is a really private person. I'm kind of an open book. Yeah. You know, God's put this on my heart to just be, I kind of, my testimony, I would say, is totally exposed. Yeah. That's kind of, it's not pretty. You know, I don't have a beach body. It's not it's not it's not all there. Yeah. You know, but it is real. Yeah. And it's it's really my life story. And and when God, you know, moves on you and you really start paying attention to him and listening to him, then your life can change drastically yes. for the yes. better. And so we visited around for a while and went to some churches and and we did well there and but there was something that we were missing mm-hmm. and so we ended up at Victory Life at Atoka first. Gotcha. And we went there for about a year, but we just did not. It just didn't fit in us. We live in Caddo and mm-hmm. you know that's it's a little closer to Durant and at that time Atoka didn't have anything. Yeah. They had Bledsoe's Diner for dinner. <laughs> and if everybody yeah. knows that.
0: It's come a long ways. They got chilies now. They have all a whole, kinds of, yeah. right. They yeah. have
1: a lot of things there now, but at the time they didn't have anything. And we found ourselves zigzagging and bing-bonging back to Durant for dinner and sure. that kind of thing. And sure. so it got to where we were late for church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so one Sunday, Robert said, Let's just go to Durant. And I said, Robert, I don't want to go to Durant. It's too big. You know, and my exact words were, what if something happened to one of us? Mm. You know, I need a church family. I need somebody to bring me a potluck dinner. You know, I need, I need, I had all these needs. Sure, sure. And I want to know what kind of car everybody drives and when your birthday is. And I want to bake them cookies and all that kind of stuff, you know. And he's very private. And he's like, I don't care about none of that. Yeah. You know, I don't want, I don't want nobody knowing my business. I just want to get in there, get the message and get out and go on about my business because we're ranchers, you know, and we're busy. and and we're never too busy for church, but you think you are. And so um, we ended up at Victory Life here when they still had orange curtains. Mm. Those were not nice. (laughs) I just want to shout out to the curtain section. The stage looks much better today. There you go. But uh, just a little pun there. Um, When we got here, um, it was about five years ago. Awesome. And... To the Durant location, and Pastor—it wasn't very long after we were here that Pastor Dwayne started preaching on healing, Mm -hmm. and he did a twelve-week series on healing. And I think it's probably one of the longest series that he's he's done. I don't know if it's exact, but it was a very long series, and um, I was dealing with a whole lot of just Satan was coming at me and the anxiety and the stress and the, you know, Satan was even trying to break my marriage up at the time, you know, and, and so, um, every day, every Sunday I would get the CD from the Sunday before. And I would actually get two copies of it because I put one in my car and one at my house and I set my alarm for 45 minutes early and that CD would come on and I would listen to that healing series mm-hmm. <clears throat> every morning. And then when Robert and I'd go to bed at night, we'd turn it back on. And I said, I used to go to sleep with pastor Dwayne yeah. in my ear every night, you know? <laughs> yeah. and, and so we would hear it. We heard it constantly. I mean, three or four times a day, we would hear that message for seven days. And then the next week we would get the next one and so on.
2: Sure.
1: And so, <clears throat> I had all this guilt and shame from the past that I told yes, you about, yeah. the adultery and the just the ugly thing and that had happened and and um and I always tried to make up with it with good deeds. Sure. You know, I, I would do good and I would I would I would try to do over and above to, to be um what's the word, to, to be accepted, yeah, to, to yeah. be forgiven.
0: Yes, you know, yeah. I was going to work for Almost it. Almost like you're having to, you know, do your do your penance to atone yeah, for your sins. I, yeah.
1: exactly. I, I just, you know, I just feel like whatever I do, I have to do over and above mm. because of I was so far down. That was just to get even. Yeah. That was just to get back to ground level. Sure. And <clears throat> so one morning, one Saturday morning, Robert was down at the barn, um I don't know what he was doing he was feeding cows or something and and I was laying in bed and and the Holy spirit just came upon me and and the Lord God spoke to me mm-hmm. and he said, Who do you think you are
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I was laying there you know semi asleep and my eyes just flung open and yeah. I was like uh, is that a loaded question? You know, and I was being serious because it kind of startled me. And it came over me again. Who do you think you are? And I was like, uh, a Christian? I mean, what? I really don't know if that's the answer. What what are you asking me, God? And he said, no, you are your own God. You think that you're God. Man. And that just arrested me. And I, and I started crying and I said, no, I don't yeah. God. I, you know, I, I love you. Yeah. And he said, no, you love yourself. You think highly, more highly of yourself than you do me. Mm. And I, I was pleading with God, you know, I was like, no, I don't. You know, yeah. I'm arguing with <laughs> yeah. him in a sense, you yeah. know, not yeah. in a, I mean, in a, sure, in a yeah. broken yeah. state. And, and he showed me like a ladder, mm. you know, of where we were. And I was above him mm. on the steps of the ladder because I had forgiven, you know, I had asked everybody to forgive me and I'd asked God to forgive me, but I never forgave myself because yeah. I didn't think I was worthy,
2: yeah.
1: you know, and God said, you won't forgive yourself so you've put yourself above me right. I've forgiven you and you need to forgive yourself yeah and I can't use you until you forgive yourself
0: yeah, that's a powerful truth
1: and I was just like I just started I was crying and I <laughs> I told Kylie earlier I was like I was you know I'm laying in bed and I sleep in my underwear and t-shirt and that's it yeah you know and I run to the door and I slip my water boots on and I run down to the barn and I I just fell over on Robert and I said, I'm healed. Oh man. And okay, he's a guy. So he just kind of pats me <laughs> on the back a little and he goes, sounds good. Okay, <laughs> what's the matter? I didn't know you were sick, you yeah. know, because that was one of those things that I hadn't shared with him. Sure. How much weight I was carrying, struggling, you yeah, know? Yeah. And I mean, even, even I could get, you know, it, somebody could back into me in a parking lot, mm-hmm. and I would say, "Well, that's what I get for mm. what I did. Yeah. You know, that's my punishment." Yeah. Or if somebody hurt me, you know, I yeah. just took it. I just accepted that that was my punishment. Yeah,
0: it's, it's, and you felt like it's what you deserved, right? Yeah. And
1: I and I did. I, that's what I was carrying. You yeah. know, and and immediately I felt a lightness. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. I just felt like I had been unchained Man. from... That the, burden just lifted. It was gone, Yeah, you know, and I realized where I had put myself and it was arrogance, mm-hmm. you know, that I, oh, well, I can't be forgiven. And, yeah. you know, and that was bad on me, you know, to feel like that, and that. And God never intended for me to carry that. I was carrying it because Satan allowed me yes. or talked me into, look what you've done. Yeah, condemning you. And so, yeah. you know, he, we all know he's the author of confusion, mm-hmm. and he came to kill, steal, and destroy. And if he could destroy my marriage and destroy the lives ahead, mm-hmm. then he absolutely would. And if he kept, could keep me condemned and mm-hmm. ashamed, then, you know, the few things that I'm fixing to tell you would not have transpired.
0: You know, it's, it's powerful, you know, even that. And, and I think a lot of the time, especially when we talk about healing, Um, A lot of times people can get very fixated or focused on physical healing in their body, you know, healing from diabetes, you know, gout, you know, cancer, uh, arthritis, whatever it might be. But there's a deeper level of healing that God wills for us to experience, not just physically, but in the soul, in the mind, the will and the emotions. Uh, and we read that from the scriptures, you know, even uh, one of Peter's letters to us, beloved, I would above all else that you'd be in health and prosper, even as your burst. soul prospers, right? Yes. And that really was a key for what we're going to talk about next, was your soul had to be in alignment to God. and had to be whole. He had to bring you into that p- place of peace because of a storm that was that was coming, that was Dang, coming. That's right. Uh, and that's, that's powerful. So... Talk to us about that progression now. The Lord has just done a total work of restoration in your heart, your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And then Robert's health comes under comes under a full-blown attack. Uh, well,
1: I, I want to share one more thing with you, yeah, Zach, yeah. before we get to that. Sure. And that is because um, 30... Okay, so Mark Carrillo preaching on a Wednesday night. Yes. And he there's probably I don't know there was a bunch of people there Mm -hmm. that night and so I had had a four-wheeler wreck a couple of years before that and I had a twisted my spine Mm -hmm. and I had a lot of nerve damage and then and the nerves had just begun to come back alive which is more painful than them being dead yeah and so under my arm I had this excruciating burning pain and I had had it for probably six months or a year Mm -hmm. and I had been to you know how Satan does you got cancer you got this you got that you got all these things wrong with you you know and I'd gotten MRIs I'd gotten all these tests and run and stuff yes and and I was constantly going I'm gonna die you know and that's more punishment you know from before and so um mark carilla was preaching that night actually on uh the gifts Mm -hmm. that we you know could receive and that we are that we have in us but they weren't we weren't letting them be birthed
2: sure
1: and um and i was sitting at the back of the church and i was hurting so bad and i was just crying and 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 Robert, once again, he's a very private person. He doesn't go to the front of the church. He doesn't Mm -hmm. ask anybody for anything. And he said, do you want to go to the front? And I said, no. Mm -hmm. And because Mark was more preaching on the gifts. And I'm telling you, Zach, everybody in the church had gone to the front. Yeah. I mean, it was powerful. There was there was nowhere to get yeah. to the front. The yeah. whole, everything it was, it was, was filled up. It was filled up. Yep. And, it, and and Mark was praying for everybody, you know, and he was touching a lot of people. And, and you know, they were talking about just um, uh, singing, and they had this desire to do these different things yeah. and prophecy and all these different things, yeah. you know. And I'm sitting back there just sobbing because I'm, I'm going, I'm going to die, you yeah. know. <laughs> and so Robert goes, let's go to the front. And about that time, Mark said, And healing. If you need a touch Mm -hmm. from sickness or or anything like that, you know, if you want to come to the front, come to the front. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, that's my cue, you know. So I go to the front, and I'm standing, and Mark is probably 10 people deep away from me. Yeah. And and I'm just, I'm not making any noise. I'm not asking for anything. I'm just standing there praying to the Holy God and saying, please heal me, you know. Mm -hmm. I can't take this pain anymore. Sure. And, um he said um, stop the music and he stopped the music and he turned and he spread the crowd apart and he came over there and he put his hands on my shoulders mm-hmm. and he said I want everybody to turn to this woman because she is in a lot of pain mm-hmm. and we know that God is going to heal her Yeah, in the name of Jesus she's Amen. already been healed it's already paid for Amen. and he prayed for me and stuff and, and so I left and You know, I didn't get anything. I was Mm -hmm. still hurting. And the next morning when I woke up, it was gone. Totally gone. Totally gone. Mm -hmm. And I have not had that pain since. Praise God. And so it was like, okay. And so I told Robert, I said, okay, that's why we're supposed to be at Victory Life. You know, I got healed from two things already. (laughs) And so so Pastor Dwayne's preaching and we're hearing it three Mm -hmm. times a day, you know. And he tells about the death of his brother. Mm Mm-hmm. And he tells about how his mom really went south when yes, that, and he, yes. and he told about you know how um, it was a punishment
2: mm-hmm.
1: for him and his family for their uh, their sins. yeah, you know yeah. That, that's why his brother was dead because God did that mm-hmm. because of their punishment yeah. And so you know, 30 days. After that series was over, we lost our son in a car wreck, mm-hmm. and the church that I didn't want to go to because it's too big, yep. you know. And 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 everything that Pastor Dwayne had said, I grabbed Robert by the face, mm-hmm. and I said, "You know, God didn't do this because we had been taught, yes, yeah, and we had been. God had already began to heal us before we were broken in that area, mm-hmm. and I say that to say. Can you imagine the guilt that I'd have been carrying? Oh, my goodness, yeah. yeah. It's actually my stepson, Mm -hmm. but I loved him, you know, and it was Robert's biological son.
2: Sure.
1: And can you imagine the guilt? Mm Mm-hmm. I probably would have committed suicide, you yeah. know, after his death. Because I, at
0: that time, it, if you, if your soul hadn't have been healed, it would have been here is another punishment. Here's yeah, this another. is your fault. This is your fault. You know, yeah.
1: and he was texting and driving, and there were some mm-hmm. other things going on that was not my fault. Sure, you know, sure. But Pastor Dwayne had preached on this and it had, we had leaned in tight and we had received everything, Mm -hmm. you know. So sometimes when God tells you to move from churches, even though, you know, he doesn't ask you to bounce all over the place, but sometimes he sets you somewhere you're uncomfortable and it's not your comfort zone. Heed the spirit because had we not had that teaching, yep. I don't know where, what would happen. Yeah. I can't tell you what the future is, but God knew what was around the corner. He and he said, yep. I need you to get this guilt off of you because what's coming around the corner is not pretty and yeah. you need to be able to handle it. Absolutely, yeah. And so fast forward 2016, that was in 14. Mm-hmm. 2016, we come to church on a Sunday, um, January the around the 17th, something like that. And uh, we go home from church, and Robert said, I'm not feeling good. And I said, okay, well, he started throwing up mm-hmm. and being real sick, you know. And I said, well, you probably have food poisoning. Yeah. You know I mean? We're not doctor people. We don't go to the doctor because, <laughs> you know, you got a snotty nose. We just don't. Yeah. And so he threw up all day and all night. And so Monday morning, I was like, well, you need to go to the doctor. He said, why? Well, I'm not throwing up anymore. I'm really weak, but I'm not throwing up anymore. And Mm -hmm. I was like, well, okay. So we wait, and of course, five or six o'clock comes, he gets sick again, and the doctors are closed. Yeah. You know? And so I called my sister. She's a registered nurse. And I said, you know, he's been throwing up for two days. I can't keep nothing down. And and she told me this concoctions to give him, you know, give him this, give him that. See, you know, well, it gets 10 o'clock at night. He's still throwing up. Yeah. And she said, Jamie and Robert's a pretty big guy. She said, if he gets down from dehydration, you're not going to get him up. Mm-hmm. So why don't y'all just take him to the hospital? And, you know, they can probably get him to quit throwing up. And yeah. they can probably give him an IV and, you know,
0: to get his fluids back in
1: even, yeah. Yeah, get all that mm-hmm. done. And so we were like, okay. So I put him in the car, and I bring him to Durant to the hospital, and and um, they can't get him to quit throwing up. They mm-hmm. give him Zofran, they give him all these medicines. Yeah. They even give him medicine in his IV. He won't stop. And he won't stop throwing up. Um, they do a CAT scan on him, and he had a um, gallstone dump into his bile duct, and it had stopped up, mm-hmm. and he was absolutely— actually septic. He had went sepsis and his whole entire body was poisoned. And they said, this is going to take a specialist. We don't have a specialist here. We're going to have to ambulance him to TMC. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know... Get that out, and it'll be fine. Yeah. So we were like, okay, and I and they said, but he'll probably be over there for a couple of days because he's so he's so toxic that they're gonna have to give him some antibiotics to get that out before they can get his gallbladder out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I told him, okay. So I I went. I told him, I said, I I take some medicine. I take hormones because you don't want me without hormones. I took a <laughs> hormone cream. I was like, I better go get my hormone creams. This is not gonna be pretty. <laughs> <laughs> so you know we were in Durant, so I said I'm going to run home right quick, and while the, it, we're waiting on the ambulance, because they said it'd probably be 45 minutes or sure. so, and I said I'll run home and get get you know pack a little bag and stuff, and I'll come I'll come back here, and then I'll follow the ambulance over there. So we do all of that, and they get him in the hospital, and and. um he's a whole lot worse than they thought. They do an emergency surgery on him, and they go in and they actually put a a stent in his bile duct to flush. To get everything out, To flush that out. And they put all these antibiotics in him and stuff, and they said, it's going to be a while because he's really, really sick, you Mm -hmm. know. Well, he didn't look sick, and he was Robert. He didn't act sick. He's a tough guy, you know. And he
0: just come on suddenly.
1: It just, yeah. yeah. And so... We lay in the hospital for uh, from Monday night to Wednesday night, and Wednesday night uh, they came in and they were going to do a um, echo mm-hmm. on his heart. Just I don't know if it was precautionary or what, but they were going to echo on his heart. Well, every time he had tried to lay down, he'd he'd jump back up and he goes, "I can't lay down, I can't lay down," and he had had a full blown widowmaker heart attack.
0: Oh, my goodness. In the
1: hospital. Man. Um, and laid there all night because he couldn't lay down. And the guy that was supposed to kind of, the guy that kind of dropped the ball that mm-hmm. night because he was supposed to come back and get it. Yeah. And so when the hospitalist came in the next morning, she started reading his lab work and she she said, "Uh, we need to call the cardiologist. Man. So they call the cardiologist in five minutes. We have a cardiac team in the room going, here, you need to sign these papers. Yeah. Uh, we need to go in and do an emergency surgery. We were like, uh, "What's going on?" Yeah, you know. And Started Robert's off like,
0: ball "Bladder now, his heart." Yeah, it, yeah, yeah.
1: And so they rush him in, and they do a, uh, and and he has um, a complete hundred percent blockage in the in the main, main artery, artery in his yeah. heart. Um, uh, and they call it the Widowmaker, and mm-hmm. only five percent of people that have the windmaker heart attack survive it. And yeah. most people that are... He was 47 years old. Yeah. Most 47-year-olds 40, don't survive it. Yeah. And so um, the doctor comes out, and I still don't know he's had a heart attack yet. Mm-hmm. So the doctor, they take him into surgery and come out, and and they said, um, well, he's had the big one,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we're lucky. And I'm, my mind isn't thinking that he... Really had a heart attack. My mind's thinking, well, we're lucky we didn't, you yeah, know, we, the we way he said it, it yeah. you know. And he, and I said, well, and he said, but we're, he's going, he's, he's, going, when he gets out of recovery, he's going to be in ICU. Mm. And I was like, what are you talking about? You know, what, you know, tell me in layman's terms, I'm <laughs> yeah. not a doctor and I'm not even a nurse. I, you know, I don't <laughs> want no part of that. And he said, um, He's had the Widowmaker heart attack. Of course, he said all the terms first, and then he said, it's the Widowmaker heart attack. And he said, he's just lucky to be here. And he said, your husband's a very, very sick man. And I said, okay. And the doctor was one of those, as a matter of fact, kind of guys. He just walks out of the room. Mm -hmm. While I'm sitting in there, you know, going, okay what does this mean mm-hmm. for me? You yeah. know, here I go with the selfishness. Okay, what does this mean for me? I, I'm, you know, I'm five years older than Robert, so I'm 52, and I go, uh, I'm not being a widow at 52. Uh-uh. <laughs> you know, uh wait a minute, you know. So I walk out of the room, and the hall seems like there's nothing but a long hall. Yeah. It's just a hall. There's, in my mind, there was no doors, there was nothing. I just And it didn't have an end to it. Mm-hmm. And At this
0: point, you're just total shock.
1: I'm in um, shock. Yeah. yeah, And so I start down the hall, and I start crying, and I just started, and I, I just started talking to Satan, mm-hmm. and I said, "No, you're not taking my husband." Mm-hmm. And I started beating my hand, my fist into my hand, and I was like, "No, no." I'm not going to be a widow at 52. He's too young to die, and I'm too young to start over. Yeah. You know, or too old to start over, (laughs) but too young to start this life by myself. Sure. I'm not doing this. And I just started saying, no, no, Satan, you cannot have my husband.
2: Yeah.
1: And I went out in the waiting room because, you know, they hadn't got him into ICU yet or anything, you know, and I just started praying. And I said, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And my arrogant self, the very first thing that God said to me was humble yourself.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I really didn't know I was arrogant. You know, I didn't know I had an arrogance about me, but there was something in my heart that was that way. And so I went into the bathroom and I see you on the dirty bathroom floor in the hospital (laughs) that, you know, was germaphobe (laughs) and I got on my hands and knees and I put my face down in my hands and I said, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Cuz I will do whatever you want me to do. Yeah. And I just prayed and I can't remi- I can't tell you exactly what I prayed, but mm-hmm. I was just praying t- for God to be there with me and not to leave me and you know, and so I got up, I washed my face off. I looked in the mirror and I was like I was alone. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And God said, I will never leave you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, you know, we got, they're telling me ugly stuff, you know. long road
0: ahead, yeah.
1: And so they assign him a specific hospitalist, you know, and she comes in. And and so I'm going to have to fast forward because I know we're on short on time, but um, every day something worse happened.
0: Man. Um, So from that day that you had that experience with God in the bathroom, Yes, it got worse.
1: It got worse. It got worse. We went from the gallbladder's no good. We've had the Widowmaker heart attack. His pancreas was so infected and inflamed that he had the worst case of pancreatitis TMC had ever seen. Man. And only 2% of the population that gets pancreatitis survive it. And he had the Widowmaker heart attack and the pancreatitis at the same time. And his gallbladder's no good. And, and his heart's racing, two hundred beats a minute. My goodness! And so the critical care doctor comes in, and he says, "Well, they had already assigned him a uh, infectious disease doctor because his body's septic. Yeah. You know, we can't forget about that." Mm-hmm. And he said, um, "We need to vent him. We need to put him on a vent tube because he's not going to make it. Mm-hmm. His heart can. We've got to calm him down." Yeah. Your heart cannot sustain 200 beats a minute. A racehorse can't sustain Mm -hmm. 200 beats a minute. And so they said, I need you to sign this paper so we can put him on a vent tube. So Robert's like, and see, he hadn't had any sleep. I mean, other than when they put him to sleep for the deal. But he's still wired and wiry and crazy. He's crazy minded. He's not thinking properly. Sure, And... So the doctor goes out, and I'm, and Robert's sitting on the side of the bed, just a maniac. And he kept needing to go to the bathroom. I need to go to the bathroom. I need to get up. He was constantly needing to get up, Mm -hmm. you know. And he looked at me and he said, I don't want to die. And I looked at him and I said, Then don't die.
0: That's awesome. Yeah.
1: And he said, But I'm dying. I said, No, you're not. Mm -hmm. I said, don't die. It's up to you. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: If you want to die, you can die. But if you don't want to die, you fight, and I'll fight for you.
2: Man, it's powerful.
1: And so, but I told him, I said, you have got, you've got to get, we've got to do this. Yeah. And he's like, no. Well, they call security because he starts fighting, and it gets really ugly again, you know. And so I told the doctor, I said, I'll sign the waiver, you know, because we got to do something. Mm -hmm. So, they put him on a vent tube, and he told me, he said, we're only going to put him on a vent tube for about 24 to 48 hours, just so his body will relax, Can and rest, we hope yeah. that his that his um, uh, heart rate will mm-hmm. chill out and metal out, but yeah. we're fixing to explode here. sure." And so I said, okay, so we did that. So they put him on a vent tube, and um, a day or two passed, and... They're not taking him off the vent. Mm -hmm. And so the third day came and and he said, we're going to try to take him off the vent today. And they tried to take him off the vent. He wouldn't come off the vent. His lungs were, you know, not wanting to cooperate. And um, the hospitalist comes out. She calls the family in and she says, "Um, his liver's shut down. Man. So, literally,
0: every major organ at this point is. Oh, yeah. Two days
1: later, the kidneys shut down. Man. Uh, Another day, we have a gastric bleed and we lose five pints of blood. Uh, So, virtually every organ in his body was not functioning. Every number was off the charts. There was no hope, and they had told me. Ma'am, you need to start preparing because this isn't going yeah. to go. A-
0: any day he could die, any day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The
1: vent tube's keeping him alive. Man. And so one of the little Muslim doctors actually told me, he said, I know you're praying, woman, and um, you know, you need to pray that he doesn't get pneumonia because that's all he has left is his lungs. Lungs, yeah. Guess what we got? Pneumonia. We got pneumonia. Man. And so we have nothing left. You know, and but I need to back up because after the heart attack and after I and they and when they put him on the vent tube, Mm -hmm. you know, I was praying and I was reading in my Bible and Pastor Ann was coming every day.
2: Yeah,
1: and and Pastor Harvey and Pastor I mean they were you know at different times somebody was there but Pastor Ann was faithful. I mean, I saw her almost every day, Mm -hmm. um, or a phone call, Mm -hmm. you know, and she, she would tell me what God was telling her and Mm -hmm. God was just, you know, she was mentoring me and forming me, uh, how to pray, how how, to stand. Yeah. 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 And she had brought me this little book and it's a little, it's a little pamphlet kind of book. You know, it's not really a book book, but, um, it was praying for the impossible Mm -hmm. and, She said, the the Lord told me to give you this, you know, and um, I was like, well, okay, you know, so I took it, and I stuck it down in my purse. Well, I never did read it for, you know, for the first, and she brought me this at the beginning of the heart attack Mm -hmm. thing, and and I didn't read it. I just stuck it down in my purse, and (laughs) because I, I mean, I was truly focused on God's Word. I was reading my Bible, and I had, I had, Threw the little pink lady out of her (laughs) desk, and I had me a desk there. And I, you know, I was like, I wouldn't let anybody pray for Robert or touch him that didn't believe like I did. If they said, Well, if it be God's will, I was like, No, I know what God's will is. God's will is for him to to be healed. Yeah. And, um, but God came to me in, in another point, and he said, He said, Peter get out of the boat Mm -hmm. and this was right right when we got on the vent tube and he physically i mean he just i could feel him in my spirit saying peter get out of the boat you got to get out of the boat you got to have faith that's all that's going to save him is faith
2: yes yeah
1: and so i just remember in my mind my vision my boat was not yacht my boat wasn't a wooden boat like you see in you <laughs> yeah. know Noah's Ark and yeah. all this stuff. My boat was a dinghy. Yeah. I mean it was a, a rubber raft dinghy. Yeah. And I can see God or Jesus way out there. It seemed like he was way, way out there. And the storm was rolling on both sides of me. Sure. And he said, if you'll keep your eyes on me, you'll walk out of here with your husband. Man. And so I just remember, I remember taking my foot and throwing it over that rubber dinghy. And as soon as my toe, I was barefooted in my vision, I was barefooted. And as soon as my toe touched the water, Jesus just grabbed me up in his arms. Because Mm -hmm. all he wanted was my faith. He wanted to see if I'd get out of the boat. And he said, don't look at the storm. Don't listen to the report. Keep your eyes on me and you'll walk out of here with your husband. Amen. And so, you know, when the doctors would come in and they'd tell me another bad report, well, the liver fell. And I'd say, thank you, but I don't receive that. We're walking out of here. And the first time I said it, I was very meek. And very, you know, and I, I, I tell it like it's a mustard seed. I had that faith of a mustard seed, and it was a tiny little seed in there that just had enough courage to say, We're walking out of here. Yeah. You know, and my shoulders were rolled in, mm-hmm. and I was very, I felt like a weak person, mm-hmm. you know. And the more I said that out loud, and the more I took authority the more square my shoulders became. And by the end of our journey, I was a stump. I mean, I yeah. was the tree trunk. Yeah. There was not a seed in me anymore. It yeah. was, but And I would tell them, and the little hospitalist, I actually felt sorry for her <laughs> because she would come and she'd say, I know, I know y'all are walking out of here, but I have to tell you that... His kidneys, you know, mm-hmm. and she'd give me the numbers and she'd tell me what was going on, and I'd say, "Well, thank you, but I don't receive that." And you know, we're walking out of here. I'm walking out of here with my husband. Yeah. And so, um, he was supposed to be on the vent tube for, you know, two two days. Maybe we were on the vent tube for 14
0: days. Yeah. And. And this whole time, the church that you thought was going to be too big. What if something happened to me? Who's going to support me? You've got people visiting you, calling you, pastor seeing you every yes.
1: day. So one Saturday, this is while he's still on the vent. Mm-hmm. I know I'm bing-bonging, but it, it's coming to me as I say that. I was going to tell you back about what Pastor Ann had done. Yeah. Um she had given me the little book and i had stuck it in the deal you know and and so one saturday we were sitting there and of course you know on saturdays the main doctors don't work they're they're mm-hmm. and they're usually not even on call but um we were sitting out in the waiting room and there was you know quite a bit of people there that saturday and And I had talked to people till I couldn't talk anymore. I was just kind of like, I would be over there in the corner and I'd be reading my Bible or or praying or just leave me alone Mm -hmm. because I'm exhausted. I never left for 31 days I stayed. I never went home. I never went to work. I never, I just, I was like, no, because God said we're walking out of here and I'm not leaving because if I leave, somebody might go in there and mess this up.
2: Yeah.
1: And so um, I looked over there and in my purse... Was that little book that Pastor Ann had gave me, and it looked like a pop tart in a toaster because I mean it was just sticking up just like that,
0: trying to get your attention, trying to
1: get my attention, and so I thought, well, God, I can't read the Bible no more, I can't pray no more, I can't, you know. So I get this little book and I, I'm and and I start reading it, you know, and it talks about petitioning God, Mm -hmm. and um, it. Talks about um, kind of doing it like you're going to the bank and borrowing money for something. What do you want it for? What are you going to do with it? You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of it's it's kind of petitioning him. Write it down and say specifically what you want. Yeah. And so I went over there and I I didn't have a piece of paper at the time, so I got a flyer off of the table that it was for diabetes awareness or something, you know. And I flipped it over and, and so I just wrote my t- petition to God and I th- got this is my petition to you God and specific you know in in that in that book it said be specific and now you got to remember we have kidney failure liver failure heart failure lung failure uh gastric bleed we have all of these things mm. going oh uh, pseudocyst you know um he's still septic uh, we're still septic yeah we're you know there he's got 16 IVs hanging on him at one time man and uh, he's got a port in his neck because some of the medicine's so hot. And I wrote about his heart. That day, I, w- I wasn't I was concerned about anything but the heart. Yeah. And I specifically said, heal his heart. And so um, I just laid my head down on the desk and I said, okay, God, what do you want me to do now? Mm-hmm. And he said, thank me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Just thank me. So I went in Robert's room and and um and I just started laying my hands on his head and I started thanking him for his hair, his eyes, nose, hair, Mm -hmm. you know, every every everything, you know. Skin cells, and I went all the way through his body, and I dragged me a chair up over there, and I was holding on to Robert's hand and his foot, and I. By this time, I'm thanking God for air. I'm thanking Him for birds, and yeah. you know, I have thanked Him to of everything I could think of, and I was just kept. I just kept praising Him and thanking Him. And the heart doctor walked in, and it's a Saturday, and he's not working. Yeah, and he says. Miss Miller, I know you're wore out. And he said, you looked really peaceful laying there. But he said, I need to talk to you about something. And I said, okay. And so I spun my chair around, and he pulled a chair up. Because he said, don't get up, you know. And he pulled a chair up, and we're knee to knee. And he said, I don't really know what happened, but he said, They called me to come put a, and he named the name of the machine on Robert. And it's what it is, it's a machine that keeps your heart pumping when it's failed. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you have open heart surgery or they take your heart out and they keep it pumping. It keeps it alive, yeah. It keeps it alive. And he said his numbers had, had failed and he, you know, his heart wasn't working anymore. And he said, but when I got here, his numbers were perfect. Man. And he said... So I'm not going to do it right now. And I looked at him, and I said, are you a Christian? And he said, yes, ma'am, I am. He said, actually, I'm a Sunday school teacher. And he said, my my, my uh, uh, Sunday school class has been praying for Robert. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I don't mean any disrespect to you. And I said, but you're not going to heal my husband. God is. Mm-hmm. And I said, but he's going to use you. And I said, can I pray for you? And he said, yeah. And I jumped up <laughs> and he's sitting down and I grab him by the head mm-hmm. and I just start praying for him to have supernatural wisdom, knowledge that he don't even know where it came from and for him to orchestrate every medication that needed to be mm-hmm. orchestrated and, you know, for, for all of this stuff. And he and when I got through, he said, now I'm not saying that I won't have to do that. And I said, you're not going to have to do it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But he said, I'm just telling you that I'm not going to do it today. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, he probably has a golf tournament or something. He don't want to do it today. <laughs> no, not really. But um, so, you know, I I and I told him about the petition. I said, I just petitioned God to For heal Robert's heart. heart. Yeah. And I stuck it back in my pocket. And I carry it in my purse. It's in my purse today. That's I've, awesome. I've never took it out of my purse from that day. Yeah. I've had that petition in my purse because it's a constant reminder of I know what God's Word yeah. says, yeah. that it works. And so... But Robert still continuously got sicker and sicker, you know, and we just couldn't get they mm-hmm. his body. And I keep thinking of the Gideon story. I, I'm going to make sure y'all know that this is me, you yeah. know. If I keep stripping it back and I get you down to 300, yep. <laughs> you know, yep. so it, it just it resonated with me. You know, God's going to make sure that yep that it's
0: there's it, no confusion on who did it. Yeah,
1: yep. it's kind of like Urias. Yep, we don't know. It's not medically possible. It's all gone. You know, it's yeah. gone. Yeah. and so, um, so Pastor Ann came in one day. Um, this was on. This was. This was. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, probably 16, 18 days, or something like that, into this, <laughs> and she had a little, a little roll of Ritz crackers and mm-hmm. some grape juice. And she said, Jamie, she said, the Lord just spoke to me this morning and said that Robert needed to take communion, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And I said, well, Pastor Ann, I trust you, so if that's what he said, then okay, yeah. you know. So I take the rich crackers, and I take the grape juice, and I go in his room, and I'm like, "Uh, he's on a vent tube, <laughs> you know. <laughs> how's,
0: how's he going to eat it, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, um, well, I get nervous, mm-hmm. and I start praying. I say, God, I know I trust Pastor Ann, and I, I trust that you spoke to her because she has been, you know, I know that you sent her for me. Yeah. And I'm pacing back and forth in the room like, God, what if I do with this? If I try to stick this cracker down his throat, they're going to think I'm trying to kill him, you know, yeah. so what do I do? And here's the part where God showed me that my marriage was real. Mm. He said, you eat it. That's you. That's your other half right there. You're dying. Mm. Half of you is dying. And you two are one. Mm. And you need to realize that you two are one. Your marriage is valid. Man. And I was like, Okay so I took the cracker and I prayed you know and I said yeah. and I broke it and I said God I know you broke your body for his healing and for my healing and that yeah. we're already healed in Jesus name and you said that if I would you know keep my eyes on you that we would walk out of here and I ate the cracker and and I took the 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 grape juice and you know, and I prayed about it and I said, God, I know that, you know, this is a a symbol of your blood that was shed for us and that we're covered in the blood because we are both your children. We are blood bought. Yeah. And I take, took a drink of the grape juice and, and I just felt like I needed to do something to Robert. You know, I, I just felt like I did. And so I took some of the grape juice and I put it on my finger and I rubbed it on the inside of his lips. Yeah. And the next day, his numbers turn, just click. Man. Liver failure, gone. Kidneys, gone. This, gone. That, gone. Vent tube, gone. Took him off the vent tube. Heart rate, 70. Man. Just, doom, 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 you know.
0: <laughs> as fast as it started shutting down, it started coming back on. Yes. It. Yeah.
1: Yes. And, you know, and I was just, I knew... Then, you know, I really knew that it doesn't matter if you've been divorced before, that's not the unpardonable sin.
2: Yeah. You know,
1: or if you've committed adultery, that's not the unpardonable sin. Amen. You are a child of God. Yes. And when you're a child of God, He sees Jesus in front of you. You're covered in that. Yeah. And you're righteous. Yeah. In his sight. And I truly felt like a child of God. I tr- truly felt like that He was my Father mm-hmm. and that He had my back. And He said, "You're going to walk out of here
2: mm-hmm.
1: with your husband intact, yeah, not sick, not diseased." And so, then they sent this little girl around. You know, she's the um, um what is it when they're trying to get you on disability and all that and the yeah. Um, like your counselor, social worker, yeah. social worker. So they send the social worker and it says, "Ma'am, your husband, you know, he's really sick and his heart is damaged. He only had twenty mm-hmm. percent pump function. You know, his heart is down so bad that he's not going to be able to walk from here to the door. So you probably need to go ahead and start getting the ball rolling to get on some disability for him, and and he's going to have to go to a long term." Uh, nursing facility yeah. uh, because you're not going to be able to take him home. And, you know, and I'd say, no, thank you. We're walking out of here, yeah. you know. And so fast forward, we're going to go, they're, they're going to send us to rehab. And they said, he's going to be in rehab for six months or six to nine months. And I was like, no, we're not. Yeah. We're walking laps around the nurses' stations, you know. And so they said, well, you need to find one close to your house because you can't take him home. And I said, I don't need that. Yeah. I don't need it. We don't need it. We're, we're good. We're going to be fine. You know. And, uh, well, the hospital would not release him to go home. So we had to go to a a facility. Yeah. So I said, well, just find me one because one that will take my insurance because we're not yeah. going to need it, you know. <laughs> oh, yes, ma'am, Six months, six to nine months. We were there five days.
2: Man.
1: One day to get him there. (laughs) And then, you know how you go to these little places and you see these stars that are colored and they're, they make, they, like a red means you can't get out of the bed and you can't get out of the room and you can't do anything. And then yellow means you can with caution. Mm -hmm. And then green means you can do whatever you want. So we got there. It took us a whole day to get there. Then we were on red arrest, I call it, Mm -hmm. the red star. The very next day we were on yellow. The next day, we were on green, and the next day, we went home.
0: That's awesome.
1: And so, of course, we had doctor's appointments, and he was very weak. You know, I'm not going to – I don't want to sugarcoat this because it was real. And he had to be in a wheelchair when I took him to the doctors and stuff because he couldn't walk very far. He Mm -hmm. still was on 20% pump function. And they had put an external defibrillator on him to Mm -hmm. shock him in case his heart quit because they said his heart is so weak that it could just stop any second. Yeah. And he's too weak and too sick to have the surgery right now, so we're not going to do it right now. So we'll Mm -hmm. do it in about six weeks. So I said, okay. So they put the defibrillator on him. We go home. Well, they give us this diet. The heart doctor gives us a diet No fat, no this, no that, no that. The kidney doctor says you can't have this, 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 and don't drink a whole lot of water. Mm. The liver doctor says you can't have this, 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 and this because, you know. it. Yeah. So we had all these doctors telling us all these diets. And so Robert got in his mind that he couldn't eat or drink anything. Yeah. And I would say you have to drink water. Yeah. You know, I've already had water. And he was a little confused because, sure. you know, one said drink a lot of water. One, one said, said don't said no drink water, any water because yeah. you'll get uh, congestive heart failure because yeah. if you, you'll take too much fluid. So he got dehydrated and malnutritioned of all things. Man. So we rush him back to the hospital. They pump him full of fluids, and they say this, you know. So the kidney doctor comes in, and he's the one that, you know, was really met us at the hospital. And sure. he finally he grabbed Robert by the face, and he said, I'm not going to let you Die. Yeah. Okay. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take and if you start swelling, we'll give you a water pill. But I want you to drink as much water as you want to, yeah. and as much water as you can. And so something clicked in his head and you know it made it Helped okay. Him. Yeah, yeah. So um the heart doctor says your pump function is twenty percent. We're um we're gonna do the surgery on you in six weeks. So we go to the heart doctor in six weeks and he says, Well, his pump function is only 25, and it's got to be, it needs to be 40, mm-hmm. 35 to 40 before we don't have to do the surgery. And I said, but you don't understand, he's been sick, and we haven't had enough time because God said he was going to completely heal him, and I believe yeah. that. Yeah. And the heart doctor was like, you're going to have to have this surgery. And um, they also tried to give us a, a, a handicap Tag, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. my husband kicks me in the butt all the time now. For he said you should have got that, and I was like, no. But I wouldn't receive any handicap. Sure, sure. And he said, well, you're gonna. We had three or four doctor's appointments, sometimes three or four a day for weeks after. And I was, I would have to drive up to the door, get Robert and his wheelchair out, get him in, slide him in. I would run out to the truck, and I would drive the truck out to the parking lot. And if you know anything about TMC, there's nowhere to park. Yeah, and um. But I would do that, and then I'd run back and get it. And he said, why don't you take the tag? I said, because we're not handicapped. I'm not giving in to the fact that there's anything handicapped. Yeah. And if I give a little bit, I can give a lot, and yeah. I'm not giving any. And so um, we go back in six weeks, and uh, the doctor, you know, he says, we're going to have to do that. And I said, we're not doing it. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, I'm going to tell you one thing right now. He's mad at me now because he's not going to get to do this defibrillator, permanent yeah. defibrillator. and." He said, Well, I'm gonna tell you something right now. He said, In I'm gonna give him six more weeks and he said, We're gonna take the vest off of him in six weeks and we're either gonna have the surgery or I can't make you take the surgery, but you I just want you to realize that your husband could just walk out across the yard and fall over dead. Yeah. And you can't get him to the hospital quick enough. Yeah. And I said, Okay, just give us six more weeks. So we go back in six weeks and here comes the doctor, and now he's all cocky, you know. Yeah. And he's like, um, he's a hard 35. So, 35, we don't have to have the defibrillator. Man. And he said, now I'm not saying we're not going to have to. He said, and this is the best his heart's ever going to be because I've never even seen it reverse this much. He said, but this is as good as it gets. And he said, if it goes down any, we'll have to do you it. Have to do it yeah. I said, okay. We go back in three months. He's at a 40. We go back six more months. He's at 45. Well, you and I are 50 to 60. Yeah. That's normal pump function. Yeah. You know. So he's just right at the tip of normal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, he works about 70 hours a week today. Yeah. And uh, he, you know. No problems. No problems. No problems. No problems.
0: Yeah. Isn't that awesome?
1: God is good. <laughs> God is good.
0: Be it. You know, I just, uh, in listening to you and, and just hearing everything that God's done in your life and just the the revelation to me of the one flesh with the communion is just so powerful. Uh, and even the fact that the Lord says that we're married to Him, that even our marriage in the natural is a type and a shadow of our marriage as Christ in the church. And just that nearness and that connection and Um, You speak to just themes of grace, of mercy, of God's healing, His power, His restoration. I know there's people that are listening to this that can just allow such hope and and a true healing of God to be imparted into their life by you taking the time to open up and just reveal all that. Um, So what I want to ask you to do, just real simple, I just want you to pray uh for anybody listening anybody that that's that can relate to this at any level and and there's no way that you can't we've all got a past we've all got a present struggle and we all got a fear in regards to the future uh and god wants to quiet those things he wants to take care of our past wants to empower us in our present and he wants to give us a hope instead of a fear for our future Um, so i would just ask that you pray for anybody listening um, and just speak a blessing over them, release God's word over them and into their life. And I can't tell you what a blessing it is to get to hear your story again uh, in, in that detail. And I know that, that this is going to be a, a powerful tool in the kingdom of God, uh, your testimony and, and what God's done for Robert. And you know, we just got give God praise for that. He's so good and faithful and true to his word. So thank you for taking time to be with me today. Tell thank that story. Why don't you go ahead and pray? Okay. For anybody listening.
1: Father God, thank you for this opportunity to totally expose myself like you've asked me to do, Lord, for the healing of others. And Father... I don't take this job lightly. I take this job uh, humbly and, and thankfully that, that you were able to bring me uh, from the low part of the life that I was in to uh, the mountaintop that I'm on now. Even though my life is still has trials and tribulations, I know where my strength comes from, and I thank you for it. Father, there's someone out there that I just feel like you're in handcuffs, that you are chained to something that is... Um, uh, just dragging you like my mine was the sin that that you think that uh, is not forgivable is absolutely forgivable and 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 what I see Lord that uh, you revealed to me is that that the handcuffs that we put on ourselves we hold the key to and that if we would just unlock those handcuffs and free ourselves. To raise our hands to you and and find our strength and comfort in you, Lord, that we're set free. You said that the truth would set us free, and when we tell the truth and when we expose ourselves and 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 let go of the darkness and the shame, you know, all sin is dark. And and when we release that and and the the goodness of your love and kindness and tender mercies that are poured out on us is is a glow that we uh, carry, Lord, and that. Uh, the light just shines on us and through us, and we'd never see the darkness again. And I thank you for it, and I just I praise your holy name, and I ask you to forgive me if if I said anything to cause anyone to stumble, Father. I I ask that you straighten it out and that you you give them true guidance. In Jesus' name, I pray all these things. Amen.
0: Amen, man. Thank you so much for listening once again. I had Jamie Miller in the studio with me today, and uh, Pastor Kylie's here as well, and. We just wanted to take extended time so that you could hear all of that story. It's a powerful one, and we do pray that it's a blessing to you. So what we're going to do is, uh, next episode, I'll sit down with Pastor Kylie, and we will uh, talk through just um, some reflections on Jamie's testimony today, but also we're going to be talking the power of unity in marriage and uh, and really just how to strengthen our marriage relationship and what that one flesh is really all about. Again, Jamie, thank you so much for being with us today. Be blessed. See you guys soon. Love you so much. Bye-bye.